0: Let's return this afternoon to Hebrews 10. Moving from the theme standing on God's faithfulness to building on it. Hebrews 10. You'll find that on page 1194. We'll start to read at verse 19 and Read through the end of the chapter. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Again, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Looking at that in the context of 23 through 25 this afternoon. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, let us hold fast our confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The faithfulness of God is not an excuse to become passive, it doesn't paralyze us into saying, Well, God in his faithfulness will do all that he plans and promised. So I can sit back and relax. It's not a recipe for passivity or laziness. The faithfulness of God is a reason for stepping out and trusting God. This is what we read in the book of Nehemiah when the people say, Let us rise and build." Why did they say that? Because they had just been convinced by Nehemiah, because the good hand of our God is upon us. Oh, because God's hand is on us, holding us. Let's rise and build. Same with this passage here. He was promised is faithful. So, let's hold fast our confession of hope without wavering. The faithfulness of God is a reason for activity. First, the activity of faith. For labor in the kingdom. Because now we know our labor won't be in vain because God has us in His hand. He will keep us. He will make something of what we do, so what we do is not useless. Because Really, if it was left up to us to make anything of what we do, it wouldn't go anywhere. It would fall flat. It would fall to the ground. But if we serve the Lord and give it to him as a faithful God who says, I will build my church, you can be sure he will do that with what you do. Because of his grace, washing the sin stains off our work with the blood of Christ, lifting up the weakness of our work by the Spirit of Christ and bringing it to God, and then he uses it. Twenty-five years ago when our founder stepped out, some charged ahead, trusting the Lord to bless them. Others trembled in fear. They also put their hand in the Lord's hand to bless them. Either way, they stepped out in faith because they trusted the faithfulness of God. We must do the same. And in our passage, I want to look at four ways in which, because of the faithfulness of God, we are called to build. The one is found in verse 23, the next in verse 24, the next in verse 25, and the fourth one is the underlying assumption behind 23, 24, and 25. Four building commands. You've already discerned that I'm not following the order of your bulletin. And as my kids say, that's a real pain when you don't do that, Dad. But uh, we're, we're not following that. Four ways in which we are commanded to be builders. Building on God's faithfulness. First, faith builders. We are called brothers and sisters resting on the faithfulness of God to go with us and help us and use us to be faith builders. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. That's the confession of our faith in Christ. Our hope we saw this morning is Jesus Christ himself, a person. Because God is faithful, go ahead. Hold fast to your God. Don't be afraid of what your enemies say they're going to do to you or even of what they do to you. That's what we read later in Hebrews 10. You know, we accepted joyfully the plundering of our property because we know that our God has a better possession for us in heaven, a better property. He's got better real estate for us. That's resting on the faithfulness of God. I can name the main name of Christ, take a beating for it, take insult for it, take affliction for it, take arrest and imprisonment for it, take vandalism for it, take plundering my property for it because God is far better in store for me. So hold fast, regardless of what it's gonna cost you because you're gonna gain much more than you lose. You might lose your property, lose your freedom, lose your family. But Hebrews says, no, 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 you don't lose when you hold on to Christ. So don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Verse 35, hold fast the confession of your hope. What does that mean? Here's what it means, brothers and sisters, hold on to Jesus. We never get past needing the gospel. Providence United Reformed Church will fall apart the day we stop believing the gospel, stop resting in Jesus Christ as sinners in need of a Savior. Every day. Every day. We never get past needing the gospel. We need to stay connected to the gospel of the finished work of Christ. That's why the first let us, let us hold fast to our confession of hope is connected, the second let us there, is connected to the first one, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Because of the blood of Christ, the finished work of Christ, our great high priest, who's offered that sacrifice that perfectly covers our sin once for all, because of that, because I rest on that, hold fast the good confession. our faith because he's done that we must be faith builders we must hold fast to the finished work of christ the christ of scripture there's only one jesus one true jesus there are a lot of false inventions versions perversions the Jesus of the Bible, the mediator Jesus, the substitute, the Savior Jesus. So we must stay connected to the gospel. That means also we must come under the preaching of the gospel, Lord's Day by Lord's Day. That's the third way of building coming up in verse 25. But it means we must stay in the word every day, read our Bibles. In North American Christianity, there's almost no daily Bible reading happening. I trust that's different with us, but let us, let us continue in that and make progress in that. And stay in prayer, asking God to empower us to hold Him, hold Him fast, and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But also notice the us, let us hold fast. Let's help each other hold fast. We need each other. Being a faith builder is a communal activity. We need the ministry of the word and we need each other to help take hold of the ministry of the word. Help to fight the pressures of the world that are pulling us away. When you see a brother or sister being pulled by the temptations or the pressures of work or family or school or friends, must help that person hold fast. How lovely to hear when a brother or sister is struggling that others notice. They reach out, they throw out a lifesaver to help that person regain his footing in the faith. Isn't that lovely when you hear about that? Well, may God make us all faith builders, building our own faith and the faith of others because our God is faithful and He will use our labors to do real things in our life and in other people's lives. Give it to Him. I did this, Lord, I said this, Lord, but nothing will come of it unless you do something with it. And he promises to in his own way, time, however he will, but it's a matter of faith. Secondly, building project number two for Providence, faith builders. We must be fellowship builders. There's the next let us. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And notice the and in verse 24. And because he who promised is faithful, we're continuing that thought, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Fellowship builders. Now you're going to think this is a distinction without a difference maybe. Maybe but I don't like this translation because in the Greek it goes this way and let us consider one another how to stir up love and good works you see the difference let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works but in the Greek it's let us consider one another the love and good works are second the one another comes first consider one another The word consider means think about, notice, pay close attention. Pay close attention to one another. And in that close attention, see how you can stir them up to love and good works. See how you can draw them deeper into the fellowship of the body of Christ. See how this person is struggling. See how this person is wavering. See how this person is sad. See how this person has much to offer. And let us consider one another. Let's think about, let's notice, let's contemplate. Give attention, close attention to one another. Hmm, how can I help that person? How can I be helped by that person? It goes both ways. You see, brothers and sisters, the church is not a pile of gravel. Individual stones disconnectedly hitting each other. The Bible nowhere says the church is a pile of gravel. It does say that we're stones cemented into a spiritual building. That's not a pile of gravel. Stone is a, uh, the church is a body tied together by muscles and ligaments in the spirit's arrangement. He brings it together. So we need to take time to think about one another, notice one another, and help one another because the Bible says we're members of each other, we're interconnected, we belong, we're tied. And what happens to the one affects the body, the rest. In the church, you know, we can be like ships passing each other in the night, not paying close and careful attention, not considering one another. Maybe even letting people get forgotten, letting them drift. But you know what, if everybody's considering one another, it's not gonna happen, right? They might still reject the faith, but in spite of our overtures to them and loving them and caring for them and reaching out to them and walking with them. So the Holy Spirit says, now look closely at one another to stir up love and good works. Pull others deeper into the life of the body. Try to get involved with them and to get them involved with others. Of course, it's a two-way street. I must make myself available to you and reach out to you. But you also must not try to make yourself unavailable in order not to be reached. Right? Or the other way around. You must make yourself available and reach out to me. But I must not try to make myself unavailable in order not to be reached. And even worse to say, nobody called me. Nobody helped me. Consider one another. Fellowship, brothers and sisters, you read, you read the epistles. It's always been a big challenge if you find it a challenge here. It's always been a big challenge. That's nothing new. But we must make sure each one is closely connected, and that's each person's job. Of course, the elders and the deacons must oversee this and make sure that nobody is left behind. Now, that's our task as leaders. But it's a task every every part of the body to consider one another and to make sure no one's left behind. And so, as Ephesians 4 said, the body builds itself up as each one does his part. The body builds itself up in love as each member does its part. That's an amazing statement. Well, that's a, a major challenge in Western culture that makes an idol of privacy, I consider myself safest when nobody can bother me. That's when I'm really safe. That's a lie. I'm in my greatest danger when nobody is there to bother me and uh, left prote- unprotected from all the lies and monsters of our culture. No, I need you to bother me, brother or sister, and you need me to bother you. Bother, right? But we need each other. We need to consider one another how to stir up love and good works. How well are we doing this? Could we do better? How could we do better at keeping everyone connected? Size really doesn't matter when it comes to that. We just have to find a way. That's our calling. We must consider this. We must consider one another. How can I serve you better? Again, we do this Resting in the power of our faithful God, the church is his household. He loves it. He loves her. The church is Jesus' blood bought people. He loves her. The spirit is, or the church is the spirit's tightly interconnected, arranged body. And you can be sure, brothers and sisters, I can be sure that when I put myself out to build fellowship, You might say, the Lord's going to be all over that. He's going to be faithful and use that. That's not going to go nowhere. Trust him. Trust him. He'll make it work. I do this because I know he'll make it work. Number three, building project. Building faith. Building fellowship. We must be third, worship builders. Trusting the faithfulness of God, let us build our commitment to gather, to meet together. Notice how 24 and 25 are put together. So, let us hold fast our confession of hope without wavering. For he was promised as faithful and connected to that, Let us consider one another how to stir up love and good works. And then it adds, uh, as a side note, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The word not neglecting to meet together is synagogue. Not neglecting to synagogue together. It refers to Christian believers meeting together for worship. Now, live stream is a wonderful gift when you're not able to attend, but it's a hindrance when you use it to avoid meeting together. For a big part of synagoguing, meeting together on the Lord's Day face-to-face, is considering one another. It's part of considering one another to stir up love and good works, to encourage one another, to be together in the same place. One member in our congregation once belonged to a church where every Sunday each member was challenged to ask at least one other member, How is your week? How is your faith? How can I pray for you? That's pretty simple. That's pretty basic. Let's do that. Each Sunday, each member asks another member, How is your week? How is your faith? How can I pray for you? But that's what we do in the assembly. Oh, we can do that outside as well. But he's saying, meeting together is a great context for doing that. In addition to meeting and greeting uh, and encouraging one another from the parking lot to the pew... And then from the pew to the fellowship hall or the foyer and back to the parking lot. Oh, there's so many spiritual moments there, right? Just being here is an encouragement, a huge encouragement, especially as the day draws, draws closer. Where we're in the same space, united in submission to the word, united in song, singing with one voice, united in prayer. United in confession of faith. United standing, sitting together in worship. In a world that wants to pull us away and impose its identity on us. Here is God's grace for us for station identification. Here's who you belong to. Here's who you are. Here's who you belong to in a world that says, you're mine. The world says that, you're mine, right? It wants that. And when we gather, Jesus is saying, no, you're mine. Then the church is saying, we belong to each other. This is the first family. So let's not neglect meeting together, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, we do need to make our worship assemblies one another events, and to realize that the closer the Lord's second coming comes, and the more progress the kingdom makes, the church is growing around the world, so also the more intense Satan will fight because he knows his time is short, and he's just fueled by hatred, not by reason. So, as the battle intensifies, we need mutual encouragement, mutual sharing, mutual time, family reunion, more and more to use it, make use of it, more and more, not less and less. Building project number four that we build ourselves up in faith fellowship, in meeting together, you might say in family reunion, and then in witness and mission, trusting the faithfulness of God. Let's go forward in our witness to the world. That's an inherent part of faith building, fellowship building, building our commitment to worship. It's reaching out in mission. And that's the underlying assumption uh, assumption of 23, 24, and 25. Some criticize the book of Hebrews for having zero missionary contact or content, zero references to the Great Commission, zero references to witnessing to our neighbors. You know, the main point of the book of Hebrews is the Jews wanna go back to their Jews only cluster. And the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians to say, you belong to a bigger family. You're part of a bigger mission. Christ has come. He has shed his blood to gather for the Father a family from every tribe, people, language, and nation. So the underlying assumption here is that as the family of God, why are we called to hold fast our confession of our hope? To hide that hope under a bushel? No. Just feel better about ourselves? Okay, phew, at least I'm going to heaven. Huge blessing. No, to put it on a lampstand so that it might give light to all in the house, said Jesus. The point of holding on and holding fast is not to retreat into ourselves, but to go out to the nations with it, starting with our nearest neighbor. It could be a client. Maybe your boss It's not a true believer. Are you witnessing to him, to her? Maybe a co-worker. Maybe the person who lives next door. Maybe a relative who's not a Christian or, are We still speaking to them as we've just sort of given up. Maybe a club member that we're part of, whomever that might be. Because what's the point of making a confession in the Bible? We not only believe with the heart, we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. The point of making a confession in the Bible is to be public with our faith. Jesus again said, whoever confesses me before men, his name I will confess before my Father in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, his name will I deny before my Father in heaven. Confess me before men, before the world. Confession of our hope. And Peter picks up on that. He says, have no fear of those who oppose you, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for what? A reason for the hope that is in you. Confess your hope, the point of that, one of the points of that is your neighbor will ask you, why do you not participate in that? Why do you do that? Why are you different? Why do you speak so positively and respectfully about your spouse? Why do you honor the boss? Why don't you join us in our parties? That's their asking about your confession of hope. So it means sharing the gospel, brothers and sisters, with the non-Christians we meet, inviting them to Bible study, inviting them to church, picking them up, waiting for them in the parking lot if they drive here themselves, having them walk in with you, introducing them to people in the foyer, getting, uh, sitting with them, walking out with them, getting them connected to other believers, and walking alongside them as a close friend. It involves just, it's very inconvenient and very blessed. And why do we do this? He who promised is faithful. If we rest on our own power, I'll never open my mouth and share the gospel or take anybody to church. Why? Well, we'll probably wix up our murds, right? We're not going to say it Right? Or somebody at church or Bible study is going to say something that, ooh, is really embarrassing. Leave that to the Lord. We do it because He who promised is faithful and He's going to use our sharing, our sowing, to build His church. He said, I will build my church. So then we put ourselves out there and be faith builders and fellowship builders and family reunion builders. And mission builders, we give that to the Lord and say, you're the builder. I trust you to do something with little old me. May she holy triumphs win. overthrow the hosts of sin. Gather all the nations in. We beseech thee, hear us. Brothers and sisters, let us rise and build as people said in the days of Nehemiah. Again, they said that because they knew the hand of their God was upon them for good. And I don't mean a physical building. That's an accessory that may or may not be. It doesn't matter. Let us rise and build. I mean, faith building, body building, fellowship building, worship building, witness building. Yes, even numbers building. Shouldn't be afraid to say that. That's a part important part of the narrative in the New Testament, but... It does all come down to believing in God's faithfulness. He's promised to build his church. Where is church? Even our young adult age congregation, 25-year-old. He's promised to build his church. That's his commitment to us. Will we believe that promise? Will we believe that the work of Christ is sufficient? That the work of the Spirit is sufficient for us? So I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be lethargic and passive and paralyzed. Because he's faithful, I step out like our founders did. I step out, say, Lord, bless it. You're faithful. Do something with what we're doing. So God put us here, he gave us a name and a place and a promise to build the church he purchased with his blood. And believing this promise, I labor on in weakness and rejoicing for in my need, his power is displayed. All oh, the night has been won and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Amen. Our Father, thank you for salvation. A faithful God who holds us up, who keeps us, energizes us, makes us strong when we're weak, helps us through every trial and valley to fight every enemy, picks us up when we fall, takes us all the way to the end, Thank you for the gift of a faithful Savior God and for the gift of a calling to serve this faithful God. Enthusiastically, trustingly, energetically, persistently, day in, day out, help us to be builders. Resting in your power. In Jesus we pray this, amen.